Support for this podcast comes from Alston Carlisle Digital Content Studios, your source for photography, videography, and podcasting. For more information, go to alstoncarlisle.com. Welcome to Life's Tough. You can be tougher. I'm Dustin Plantle, your host. This is a show about life. It's about purpose. It's about the stories we all have. Everyone's story, when you think about it, well, it's the basis for a movie or the basis for a TV series. Our guest today, Stephen Seamus. He claims that superheroes are tougher. Stephen is the president and co-founder of Ace Universe. Let's bring him on now. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, Dustin, how are you today? Good to see you. I'm doing well, and I got to tell you, you made a very, very bold claim to me that that superheroes are tougher. What makes them so tough, Stephen? You know, you know, I've been involved in superheroes since I was a, a, the superhero business since I was a very, very young kid. It's something that, you know, we did with uh, my parents. It's something that I did with my brothers. It's something that's a sort of, sort of a shared experience, and I think a lot of families are getting to share those experiences today. And I think when you see the films and you see the television shows, uh, you know, you think, oh, just flying around and having a cape and having all these superpowers are easy. And I think you've seen from the films and the television shows that there's a lot of adversity along the way uh, from the villains that they have to face from their, uh, you know, in the case of Thor, his, his half brother, Loki, tries to trip him up all the time. So you have a lot of the themes that are almost biblical in some cases, like a movie like Black Panther, which covers a lot of different themes, uh, which is, I think, why the movie was so successful, because subliminally they, they pass a lot of these themes along, where you start out with the oldest theme in the world, the, the, the brother versus brother theme, right? And then, you know, then, then they're together, and then you have the, then there's an outside force coming in to try to attack them, and then you have a tribe versus tribe theme. And then when there's an outside force attacking the tribes, all the tribes that are, you know, disparate, that are normal em- enemies to each other, they get attacked from the outside and all of a sudden they join together. So the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So that movie had a, covered a lot of those different themes. And if you watch the movies closely, uh, you'll start to see that there's actually a lot of biblical themes in those films. And I think that's part of the reason why the, the films have been so successful the last 10, 15 years. I mean, it's as if that the things that we're going through and the things that we face, that superheroes themselves that they faced them. But how do they find this way to rise above, though, Stephen? What do you do? And you have had adversity you, while you are a, a founder of a really super successful uh, company called Ace Universe. It hasn't always been so easy. You had to earn this spot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, I, I, it's interesting. When I go to the events and I see people picking up boxes or packing up trucks or moving skids, and, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, it's cold out here on the dock or it's I'm like, I don't feel bad. Right. Because I did those jobs, you know, 20 some odd years ago when I first started doing the these Comic-Con shows, I moved skids. I packed trucks. It was zero degrees outside. Uh, you know, the 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 uh, you know, the, the it, w- it was not so easy. Just you didn't just all of a sudden become president of Ace Universe one day. Every job pretty much that everyone does at the show 
at some point I did that job. So, so it, 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 it took a long time to just, you didn't wake up one morning, just like you, you didn't wake up one morning and all of a sudden you're the host of live stuff, right? I mean, like you, there were, there were, you know, you're, you're, you're a 20 year overnight superstar, right? So it, 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 there's a journey, which in many ways, the journey is, is more enjoyable than the destination. Not sometimes when you're going through it, but sort of when you get there, uh, there's sort of an actualization of, wow, you know, I'm, I'm here. This is what, this is what I've wanted to do. And I've had those moments working with some of the biggest celebrities in the world to do that. Um, but yes, it, it's just, it's one of those, you know, long journeys along the way where, you know, you start out packing boxes, you start out moving skids, and then, you know, you graduate. And then all of a sudden you're, you're helping out this, and then you're helping out the logistics, and then you're helping out the show. And then you're starting to book celebrities and you're starting to book artists and you're starting to book writers. And then before you know it, you've got Chris Hemsworth and, and, and uh, Brie Larson coming to your events and Gal Gadot and Henry Cavill. So, so yes, I mean, uh, we've had that plus, you know, I, I was with my old company for 20 years. Um, and you know, you don't always get to write your own ending. Uh, and you've seen a lot of these films, whether it's a, the, the, the second to last Avengers film, you know, where the movie doesn't end the way people think the movie's going to end. Right. And you have a lot of these films and even the last Avengers film doesn't necessarily have a happy ending with a little bow on it. So you don't always get to write the ending that you want. Uh, that you get sometimes in Hollywood, and uh, it didn't it didn't end well. Um, it, so after that, uh, I kind of had to pick up my bootstraps and you know start Ace about six months after that, and then here we are today. And I wouldn't have met you if it wasn't for Ace. But how do you do that? I mean, you make it sound like it's so easy. Just pull up your bootstraps. I mean, many times don't we just want to sit in the corner and feel bad for ourselves? We want to become the volunteer victim that. He or she hurt me. They took from me. They, they hurt my name. But you didn't allow that to take you down. You found a way to rise above. Where was that fuel? How did you find it? So that's a great question. You know, uh, I've, always, I've always had sort of a mental toughness uh, about me where people saying things about me never really bothered me. You know, I think, I think that's, some of that's just in you. Some of that comes from your parents. Some of that comes from your social circles. Some of your upbringing. For me, the, the, biggest, the biggest driver that I had to get up and go out and make this work in the morning was really my, my, my circle of friends and family, where, where failure was not really an option. So, you know, my dad at the time, you know, my dad has passed, but my dad at the time, he was not going to just let me sit around and feel bad for myself, right? He was, it was not going to allow that to happen. And my mom is sort of a softer touch, right? You know, moms have the softer touch than the dads sometimes. So, uh, and then my brothers, I have three older brothers who were also involved uh, in the business for many, many years, just some peripherally, you know, one's an orthodontist, one runs an online toy store, you know, one, one is an artist, but they were always peripherally involved and they were very, very supportive. And they're like, listen, you know, you are the best in the world at what you do. There's nobody who produces events the way you produce events. There's nobody who is getting the talent that you were getting at the events that we were getting. And they're like, if you do this, you know, and you kind of pick up where you left off and the ideas that you had, uh, it'll be successful. And we were insanely, insanely successful the first three years, quite frankly, way beyond where I thought it would even be. Uh, after we did, it's funny, it's funny you asked this, uh, after we did the first event in Long Island in 2017, 
having just done that one event after my last history, uh, that was enough for me. I know it sounds funny to say, but after I'd done just even that one show on my own to prove that I could do it, to prove that we could do it, after that, it didn't really matter anymore. There was sort of a calmness that came over me like, okay, I showed everybody in the world that we could do it. We got Gal Gadot, we got Henry Cavill. Nobody else could do that. We got the cast of the Justice League. We got the cast of Daredevil. We ran the show in an arena. It was hugely successful. Were there bumps and blips? Absolutely. Did we have to fix those things? Absolutely. But we did it. We pulled it off. People showed up. People met Gal Gadot. They haven't met her since. People met Henry Cavill. They haven't met him since. And, and what I tell people all the time about our shows, you know, on the superhero theme is, you know, at, at a lot of events in life where you, you attend these concerts or you attend events, live events, and you meet people, you meet your heroes. At our shows, you meet your superheroes. And when, if you think about when, when you were a kid and you were watching a movie on, in, a stu- in, a, in a theater or you were watching a, a television show and you were watching an actor play, portraying your favorite character, you never really had the opportunity to meet them. These festivals did not exist back then. But when you were a kid and you watched The Incredible Hulk or you watched some of these shows, The Six Million Dollar Man, you didn't necessarily process that it was an actor playing a role on television. He was a six million dollar man. Like, that's who he was. And when you're meeting Gal Gadot at a show, you're not meeting an actress who portrays a character in a film, you're meeting Wonder Woman. She is Wonder Woman. Every bit and piece of her is Wonder Woman. And what was extraordinary about that event in particular is we had women and men of all colors, all nationalities, all background, all races showing up dressed as Wonder Woman. I have a friend and, and she's, uh, she's Indian. And she and three or four or five of her cousins, like, oh, my God, I can't. they all dressed up as, as Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot represented all women from all nationalities and all backgrounds. Think about the choice Warner Brothers made. They took an immigrant Israeli woman with a slight accent to play the role of probably their most important character. And if you think about the zeitgeist and the timing of that, socially, globally, in the world, to make that kind of a bold choice. That struck people, right? That hit people. And that's why I talked to you about themes, right? What's going on in the world. That theme resonated with everybody. And a lot of young women looked at her and they didn't come in and say, oh, I'd like, I can't wait to meet Gal Gadot. Everybody was coming and saying, where's Wonder Woman? Where's Superman? And that's what these characters mean to people. But now trust, trust and business are both earned for you to get to this spot. You had to earn the trust. I mean, it is easy for people around the world that tune in to say, well, I could do some of these things or I could put together an event, but, but it is not as easy as that to get these, the greatest celebrities that, that empower the, these individuals. So the, the superheroes to get them to come that you had to earn their trust. They're putting their brands on the line with you, that everyone that comes in contact with your organization, they're trusting you. So talk about trust. How do you build trust in an industry where 
there's probably not as much transparency as there could be. And people are worried. They're afraid of what's going to happen if we show up at the wrong event. I mean, I, I went to a Comic-Con a couple years ago, and I met Terry Hatcher. And I, I got to tell you, I was very nervous. And then another one, I got to meet Ginger. I went, that's Ginger. Those people are trusting in the organizer. How do you earn trust? Well, the, you actually used the word that you stole the word that I was going to use. It's called transparency. And I think what a lot of what a lot of what we've done well over the last 10 years is we're very transparent with the managers and the agents about what is about to transpire. I don't try to tell them what they want to hear or what their client may want to hear in the hopes that I'm going to trick them into coming to our event and, you know, oh, we've, we've got them here. So now that we've got them here, uh, we're going to uh, show them such a great time that they're going to forget the fact that I didn't tell them anything uh, honestly. So, we, you know, you start out building these events and you start out with certain actors or actresses that may not be at the height of their career or that may have been, you know, sort of at the end of their career or maybe they only had, were a flash in the pan. And that's where a lot of these shows were back in 2010, 2011. And I think a lot of actors perceive these events as that's where, oh, that's where, oh, your career's over. That's where you go to sign autographs and take pictures with fans. That was the perception back in 2010 and 2011. And then Instagram came along and Facebook came along. And what happened was the old currency was if you met Derek Jeter, you got an autograph. And he said, oh, my God, I met Derek Jeter. I had this baseball. And people were like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's cool. You met Derek Jeter, got a baseball. The new currency started to be, hey, I took a picture with Derek Jeter. And Instagram changed everything in that regard. So what wound up happening is, is currency among younger people started to be uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's mostly Instagram now, Snapchat and these other things. So now it's like, oh, I met Derek Jeter. I got a baseball. Nobody cares because, you know, the, the phrase is, you know, picture didn't happen. Right. So now it's like I met Derek Jeter. I got a selfie. That's the currency now. And I have, you know, memories of even an event that we did in New York with the Doctor Who uh, cast. And we had David Tennant, Matt Smith, the 10th and 11th doctors. And the woman who ran the venue at the time, she's like, who are these guys? Why did thousands of people show up for them? I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I don't know anything about your Instagram. I don't know anything about your background. I don't know anything about your history. What I want you to do is I want you to take a picture with the two of them. And I want to post, I want you to post it on your Instagram. And I said, I guarantee you that you will have more likes on that photo than any other photo you have on your Instagram. And I've never even been to your Instagram. She goes, okay. So she goes, she takes a picture with the two of them. She puts it on Instagram. She goes, my Instagram is blowing up. She goes, all my friends, they love Doctor Who. They love, I, she's like, she's like, I, I can't believe it. I said, I know. I said, because it's not, it's not, it's not conversation that you would normally have. Hey, do you guys watch Doctor Like you either watch it or you don't. And the people who watch it are sort of part of this, this group, right? And it used to be an underground group, but now it's above ground. And it's above ground in a big way. These superhero films are the largest films of all time. And you know, it was just one of those moments where it was like this woman who didn't know who these guys were, all of a sudden her Instagram was blowing up with comments and likes. And then she goes, Stephen, she goes, this thing had 100 likes, you know, in a few minutes. And she goes, I've never had 100 likes on any Instagram photo I've ever posted. I said, I know. I said, that's now you're seeing the power of, of those, you know, of those platforms. And once those platforms started taking off, the financial 
the financial models of the business started changing because it used to be, you used to have to sell tickets to the show and then you would sell a few autographs and a few photo ops. All of a sudden now people started selling tens of thousands of tickets to the show. You know, we did a show in Philadelphia and it probably took 10 years to get to 10,000 tickets. And then it only took two or three years to get to 30, 40,000 tickets. You, you know, it just, it just accelerated so quickly. And that's kind of so that led you to the period of now all of a sudden you were you had a lot of revenue coming in and all of a sudden now you could get current actors and pay them their going rate to come to in a show. In many cases, you were paying them more than their day rate on a television or film set. So all of a sudden the revenues got to a point where you were able to start attracting bigger names that started happening in about 2014. And after that happened, that's when you started seeing the explosion of talent. So we started out with Matt Smith and he was the first big star we ever had. He was the 11th doctor. He was coming off Doctor Who and it was insane how many people showed up for him. And we had him in New Orleans. It was crazy. We couldn't believe it. He did, he did more than double what we thought he would do. And that sort of started the effect of, okay, we need to get bigger stars. And then we, we kept just like with your career, you graduate, you graduate more and more and more, you get bigger, bigger, bigger celebrities. And our staff, you know, I always said to our staff, and I've been saying this to our staff for many, many years. And this is, this is something that has always helped our staff very, very much on site. I said, you know, I might be the president of the company, or at the time I was the chief, you know, chief marketing officer. I said, I might be the president of the company, but when you're walking around and you have an ace shirt on, you're the president of the company. You're the president of the company. You're the president of the company. I said, because every uh, person who's walking around, every attendee, they don't know. They don't know that I'm the president. They don't know that you're the president. To them, you're the president because you can help them. You can get them in a line that got closed. You can you can make sure they don't miss their photo op because the time is running out. You can, you're the president of the company. So you need to make sure that you help people. And I'm saying this to a staff of 50 people. So we try to empower everybody to be the president of the company. And quite frankly, that's how you want everybody to think anyway. So our staff always took the best care of the celebrities that were coming to our shows and it didn't matter if they were at the end of their career or at the beginning of their career or they were Gal Gadot and Henry Cavill. We treated them with the same respect. And that trickles down because, remember, a lot of them have the same managers. A lot of them have the same agents. A lot of them have the same, you know, they may have been in films together with some of their co-stars. And they may not be the biggest name, but we would treat them like the biggest name. And that, that, that equality that permeated throughout, I think, carried over. And then that's what happened is that, you know, you know, you find out that, you know, this person's agent is also this person's agent is also this person's agent is also that person's agent. And all of a sudden you're getting this person up here because you took a you took care of this person that may not have been a big star, but they have the same agent. And they appreciated how you treated their clients over the years. It also sounds, though, that it starts with leadership and the hours that you put into it. I mean, what does this take to build a company that's successful, the company that you've created? 
how many hours must come into this? I mean, it, it's always easy to have the idea, right? I got, an, I got a good idea. But executing it on the execution side and doing it right, not just doing it well, what does that take? So it, it's interesting. One thing that happened in the pandemic is everybody's working remotely and everybody's all you know at home on Zoom. When we started ACE, we were already remote. And I think that kind of blew people away. You know, even, even when we moved into the, the Loeb offices on, on Fifth Avenue, they're like, how many desks do you need? We're like, two. They're like, two? Why only two? We're like, because nobody lives here. And I had 20 plus years of experience at my old company. And when we started the new company, uh, there was one person that I said to my brother, if we don't hire her, I don't know that we could even run the company. And that's Marlene, our vice president. And anyone that comes in contact with Marlene will tell you that they don't even know how she does all the things that she does, right? So what's good about myself and her is we are really opposites in the way that we work. And a lot of times people tend to hire people like themselves, which is not really always a good idea because sometimes you need people to do the things that you're not really good at, right? And everything that I'm not really good at, Marlene is great at. So she's amazing. So I said to my brother, I said, we have to hire her. I said, because she's really the linchpin in terms of running the company. So we hired her. And from day one, she was the vice president of the company. So it was my brother, myself, and me. That was, that's where we started. And she was really the instrumental in taking care of all the celebrities and all the logistics for the celebrities at the last company I was with. And she was amazing. And so that, that's where it starts is, you know, she, she's no nonsense. She, she is a, a wonder kind. And anyone, like I said, if you talk to the low staff and you say, you know, they would come to me all the time to be like, Marlene, they would just make this face like Marlene. I'd be like, I know, I know. So a lot of it is, is good hiring, right? You know, when you look at football organizations, and this is something that I always try to mirror for myself, when you look at football organizations and you look at the 50 some odd years of football history, it's not by accident that the same teams win or are in the Super Bowl every single year. Why, why do the Steelers have, you know, multiple Super six plus Super Bowl wins? Why do the Patriots have six Super Bowl wins? Why do the New York Giants have four Super Bowl wins? When you look at the ownership and the leadership that those that those organizations have, it doesn't happen by accident that the same loser organizations in football have been loser organizations for 30 years and have new coaches every three or four years. When you hire a new coach and you hire a new general manager, you've set your franchise back three, four or five years. When you draft the wrong quarterback, you set your franchise back five to seven years. So these organizations have been successful over, a, over 20, 30 year periods, which is why I tried to mirror myself. I didn't wanna be a flash in the pan I didn't want to have one good year. I didn't want to have two good years. I wanted to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. I wanted to be the New York Giants. When you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you say the Pittsburgh Steelers way, that conjures something in your brain. When you think of Mike Tomlin, when you watch Mike Tomlin on television, and I know that people think Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, and I get it. He's had Tom Brady. In my book, the best coach is Mike Tomlin. When you hear him and you watch him and you see him week after week, that's the leader you want to be. No question about it. And he's had great teams. He's had not so great teams, but he's never had a losing season. And so 
that's so when we started ace i had 20 years of history of well over a thousand different people that i've worked with i mean it had to be over a thousand people i mean easily in the 20 years that i worked with and i said to my brother i want to hire all the key people in all the key positions that i've worked with over the years and i don't care where they live i don't care if they can commute to 712 fifth avenue i don't care where they live i don't care anything i only i want to hire the best people that we work with over the years and i will tell you something with the exception of one woman who worked in my old company uh, who worked very closely with marlene we were able to hire every other person that was on my list my christmas list and one guy lived in seattle one person was in connecticut one woman was in austin texas one woman was in california so it didn't matter we were, we were remote four years ago so I laugh now when people are like, oh, remote is the future, this and that. No, remote was the future four years ago. That was a big competitive advantage for us because a lot of companies that are hiring say, oh, you have to be able to commute to this address every day. And if you can't commute to this address every day, you can't work for us. And maybe the best person in logistics lives in Seattle, Washington, doesn't live in, you know, 15 minutes from 712 Fifth Avenue. Who cares? They could do the job. They could do the job. So it actually worked in our favor. Even the guy who sells our dealer booths, he's in Chicago. It actually worked in our favor because it gave us uh, like a home base in every one of these other cities that we didn't, wouldn't normally have as a smaller company. So we actually even gave the appearance that we were punching above our weight because we had people everywhere spread out. Anyway, it's like, oh, we have people in Seattle. We have people in Chicago. We have people in California. We have people in Texas. So we had that four years ago. How do we learn more about Ace Universe? Uh, well, we're on all the social media platforms, of course. We're on, uh, we have uh, aceuniverse.com. That's our website. Right now, we, we've adjusted to private signings. So you can't meet your superheroes in person, but you can get your autographs through the mail. We also run a, uh, Ace Breaks, uh, which we run uh, once a week. Sometimes we do some pop-up shows, which uh, the breaking of the sports cards industry is the hottest thing going right now. So we kind of hit that at the right time. We had been working on that for months and months before, before the COVID hit. And then on Instagram and uh, and uh, Twitter and everything else, we're Ace Breaks One, and we're Ace Universe. So you can catch us there as well. Thank you for sharing your story on Life's Tough. Stephen Seamus is tougher. Thanks, Dustin. It was a pleasure being here today. Thank you. Thank you again, Stephen, for sharing your story on the Life's Tough podcast. Trust is paramount to any relationship. And business, well, business is earned. We heard from Stephen today and what it took start his company and what it takes to continue to be a leader in his industry. Robert Clancy said it best. We all have the capacity to be a superhero. In order to become one, you just have to find your unique power or ability and exploit it for the greater good. The cape and mask are optional accessories, but a kind heart is essential. Life's tough. You can be tougher. <laughs>